Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Okay. First, let me start with the obvious. I am in the studio today. Why am I in the studio? Well, because today is day 26 of my water-only fast, which means the last time I had any food was on the 24th of October. And the the next time that I'm going to have food is on the 4th of December. And I am weak. I am weak. I, I have come to the point this week where I discovered I am physically just unable to, to come in and, and to, to do all the, the stuff and then to get up and preach and then preach and preach. So I, I just realized and my wife had a chat with me this week that probably need to do this from the the studio this week. My, my mind is good. My, 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 my spirit is strong, but wow. Wow, am I humbled. I mean, David writes in Psalm 35 that he he humbled himself with fasting. And I'm telling you, man, I feel humbled. I feel humbled and 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 just just weak. And now if, if you're like new here visiting, you're like, why are you why are you doing this? Why are you fasting uh, with water only for, for 40 days? Why are you doing such an extreme thing? And and it's one reason. I care. Like, I, I care. I see you. I hear the stories. And I know that for every one story that, I, that I've heard, there's 50 other stories that, that I haven't heard. And, and I, I just want so desperately your lives to go from stuck or, or stifled or, or struggling to, to thriving and, and joyful and, and breakthrough and, and, and good places. In this church, again, I don't know your specific stories, most of them, but like in this church, there's people that, that have curses that need to be broken over their lives. And there's, there's people that have demons that need to be expelled that are just harassing them, that need to stop harassing them. There's people who need physically healing in their lives and and they need that breakthrough and and there's there's just blessings that need to come to so many people people haven't been experiencing uh, this uh, the blessings in life that they that they could be experiencing and I want that for you and yet I only have so much time and so I'm asking God for in these 40 days a great increase in authority and in power in order to help you get your breakthroughs more quickly that's what I'm seeking. Now, I, I know that, you know, after Jesus fasted for 40 days, he, he, it says in the Bible that he returned in the power of the Spirit. He fasted for 40 days and then he returned and, and then he goes on and he preaches and he, and he casts out demons and he, and he heals the sick. And he just goes into his ministry. But after 40 days of fasting, then he returns in, in power. So I, I suppose my heart is just, I'm just walking the path of Jesus in this one. 
I just want to go through these 40 days, even just for the chance. I have no promises from God on this. I'm just doing this even for the chance that I could just be even a bit more effective at, at helping and praying and blessing and seeing breakthroughs in your life. I actually found this verse this week uh, in, in 2 Thessalonians. And when I read it, it, it captured exactly what I'm wanting to see in this fast. This is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. And really only the second half of verse 11. It's, Paul says, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I hit that verse. I'm like, that is it. That is exactly, that is exactly what I want, want to see. May he, may God Almighty give me the power to accomplish all the good things my faith promised me to do. And so my, my dream is that when I, when I pray for you, when I bless you in the name of Jesus, when I lead you in prayers for yourself, while, even just while I'm preaching, that, that, that God will give me the power to, to help accomplish breakthrough in your life, whatever, whatever my faith prompts me to do when it comes to this time. And, and I, I want the results to be that you're healed. You're healed, you're helped, you're, you're set free, you're blessed. That, that's, that's what I'm, I'm looking for. So bottom line is I really care. I really care about you. And for me, I just care so much. It's worth these 40 days. And you know what I believe? I believe that nothing is impossible with God. I believe that nothing is impossible with, with God. And, and I believe that there is no situation in your life where you can't see breakthrough. I believe that there's no reality, there's no struggle, there's no, there's no challenge in your life that, that you can't see break, breakthrough in. And so I'm doing this uh, week, week after week here, and, and I'm, I'm humbling myself, I'm weakening myself with fasting, and I'm so humbled by being in the studio this week. It is, it's killing me. It is just so hard to do this, but I, I'm just asking for grace. I'm just asking for grace. It's just for a short window here. And then, and then we'll be through this. By the way, um, we do have a church fasting week coming up in January. It is not going to be like this. It's only five days, and it's you can you can just drink whatever you want. Um, it's it's just no food. We'll talk more about that. But the the heart behind it is nothing is nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing's too hard for the Lord, and and we want to see breakthroughs. So you can be thinking about that. If you want to join us, about 100 people do every year, kind of join us in in five days without food and just taking their prayer requests before the the Lord. So we'll we'll talk about that more in the future, but you can just kind of be thinking that. It's the uh, Monday the 8th of January uh, through Friday that particular week. Okay, so that, that's the disclaimer. That's a long disclaimer of, of why, why I'm in the studio today. Um, but I want to bless you. You know I want to bless you. I want to bless you now in Jesus' name. And so here, here we go. I bless you now in the name of Jesus with life and joy and health and peace in Jesus' name. Uh, May God Almighty direct you clearly and make your path straight. 
May he make your path straight. May the challenges in your life crumble before you. And may you be blessed by God in every way, filled with love and freed from everything evil. In Jesus' name, may it be. May it be. Okay. If you are new here visiting or you just don't pay attention to anything I say, we are in a study about God and we are looking at the life of Abraham, who is the father of faith and he is God's friend. Two weeks ago, we were looking at how God made a covenant with, with Abraham, a conditional covenant connected to circumcision, and he also promised that Sarah was going to have a son. Not It wasn't just going to be Hagar and, and Ishmael, but, but Sarah's son. And maybe you remember if you were here, there was drawings. Right? Lots of, we, I had my, my special alter ego, Picasso, drawing out some some sketches about marriage and covenant and all that stuff. Well, today today we pick up in the next chapter, in chapter 18 here, and we're picking up, I mean, days after that. It, it, it cannot be more than two months. Like it is days, maybe weeks later, we're, we're coming to this next story. It's, it's right on the heels of that. Now, before we look at this next story, uh, let me just show you the environment, the context of where it's taking place. You know, we haven't had some maps for a while, so how about, how about a map here? Let's put a map on the screen here. So you can see on the map, um, so you've got Jerusalem, and it's, it's circled there in, in green. You can see maybe the Sea of Galilee at the, at the top up there, and the kind of the Dead Sea. Well, the red X is where... Abraham is. It's just, it's a little town just north of Hebron. And, and so he, he, that's, that's this point. Abraham lives here quite a bit in this area. Uh, it, it technically says he lived at the Oak of Mamre. Now, the, there's a picture here of the Oak of Mamre. Now, this is, this is what they are calling the Oak of Mamre. Now, um, of course, I'm, I'm like, there's no way this is a 4,000-year-old oak. Now, maybe there's a horticulture arborist or something like that here in the church. It's like, oh, yeah, it's totally probably the right oak. I, I don't know. I, I get a little skeptical of this. But the point is, is that, you know, Abraham has like hundreds of tents, right? He's got, he's got probably 500 tents or, or more in his, his, in his, uh, in his crew, in, in his traveling crew. And so, but... This this oak is at least right in the area. It's it's he's going to be within um, very close distance from from this specific area. I always thought I I also just thought I'd zoom back and show you a little bit of what the area looks like. And so you can see this next picture here, just north of Hebron. It's it's a it's a really beautiful area. I don't remember if you remember when Caleb was one of the spies that spied out the land. You know he he saw all of the land, and his first choice was Hebron. It's, it's a pretty magnificent area, and it's also where Abraham lives, just right here in the, in the north of, of Hebron here for, for a lot of time. Okay, so there's, there's some pictures of, of where this story take, takes place. Now, let me read from you what happens here in, in this location, starting in Genesis chapter 18. We read this. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. 
he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measurements of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant, who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men as they ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. If this was like 20 years ago, I would, I would, I would bust out with, the the newsboys singing entertaining angels and and i actually just found out that that they're still around i mean who knew that australian pop christian music still existed it, it, it's it's a marvel to me but anyways we know from this passage and we know from the the passages that are, that are going to follow that what we have here is the angel of the lord and we have two angels two angels with with the angel of the lord now they appear to abraham as three people they just look like humans the angel of the Lord and these two angels, they just look like humans. And it said there, he, he looked up, Abraham looked up, and he saw three men standing nearby. They were just standing nearby. What did he do when these three men are standing nearby? He ran to them, and he ran to meet them, and he bowed down loud or bowed down to the ground before them. Like, like he, he was he just ran to them. I mean, is Abraham like the world's biggest extrovert. I don't know if you've ever known an extrovert who is just like so obsessed with people. Like, there's people, there's three people. Ah! And they just, they're almost like terrifying in their, in their, their love for being around people. It's like, there's, oh yeah. So I don't know if Abraham's the world's biggest extrovert. I mean, he does have a tent armada with him traveling everywhere. But this idea of God showing up, God himself, the angel of the Lord showing up, looking like a normal person. The angels showing up and looking like just normal people standing. I think this is pretty significant. And, and I want to just make a few comments here. God and his angels are more present in your life than you realize. God and his angels are more present in your life than you realize, even visibly present potentially, even visibly more present in your life than you realize. And this is very biblical. I mean, you, you can see like Jesus, uh, Jesus, he's walking along after he's raised from the dead. He's walking along the road to Emmaus. There's two disciples. They, they've spent a lot of time with Jesus. They know Jesus and they're walking with Jesus. Jesus is visible. He is walking with them. He is talking with them visibly, and yet they don't perceive it. They're, they're, they, don't, they, don't, they don't see it, and yet Jesus is there. 
Jesus himself visibly walking and talking with him. God and his angels are more present in our lives than we, than we perceive. Man, check out this verse from, from Hebrews chapter 13. It, it says in verse, 13, verse 2 of Hebrews 13, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. To strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Some have, have done this, have entertained angels without realizing it. Jesus and his angels might be more visibly present in your life and, and you don't even realize it. I, I think there's a call here for us to wake up. To, to wake up to have a much more uh, alert, God-aware perspective uh, on, on our, our circumstances. Now, obviously not all strangers are Jesus. Obviously not all strangers are angels. I'm not even, I'm not even saying that, but, but what if we treated strangers that way? What if we treated all strangers as if they were angels? Or if we treated all strangers as if, as if they were Jesus himself? And is, that, is that biblical? Well, yes. I mean, l- let me just remind you of a story that Jesus tells. I'm gonna, I'll read it for you. It's, it's, it's pretty powerful in this way. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And, and Jesus says this. He says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, again referring to Jesus, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones replied, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger... And show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, 
When you refused to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, wow, we, we could go on and just preach that, that whole passage and talk about the call uh, of God to, to work as if working for the Lord. To, to treat people as if, as if Jesus themselves are, are, are there in front of us. That the angels of God. But I, I think we see enough in, in this story and, and the things that I've talked about and, and with Abraham um, that, that ought to challenge our, our thoughts when it comes to interacting with strangers. The people that we don't know. It seems that our starting perspective ought to be, this could be an angel of God. This could be Jesus himself, this stranger. And even if it's not, Jesus is going to take our interactions with the stranger in front of me as if this is how I'm treating him. It's pretty significant, pretty significant stuff. Now, just to be fair, we're, we're not talking about our friends today and how we treat our friends. I, I mean, sure, they might be strange, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about. And I guess I do want to say, yes, treat your friends as if they are like Jesus and, and angels. Like it's, we want to treat our, our friends, their, their family, especially if they're in Christ. But today, we're really talking about the people we don't know. The, the, the strangers and the call for Jesus, to, of Jesus specifically, to treat people as if they were Jesus himself. I, I, you know, I, I wonder, like, how many opportunities I've missed? Or, or, or how, many, how many strangers that, that maybe they were just standing there? You know, maybe in a group of three. You know, strangers in a group of three, huh? Just, just kind of standing there like with Abraham, and, and I just ignored them because I'm, you know, self-protecting, stranger danger, <laughs> you know, that sort of a thing. Friends, it's, maybe it's time to be more alert and hospitable, to have a more God-minded perspective about strangers. I know we don't live in a culture like Abraham did and, and just, just how things worked back then with hospitality is different culture, but we can treat people with honor. We, we, we can treat the people that we interact with and that we see, the stranger we don't know, with the honor as if they are Jesus himself. I mean, what an impact that would have just on their lives and on our lives to treat people with that kind of honor. I, I just know that that mindset could be transformative and, and just so impactful if we just treat people like as if they were Jesus himself. Wow. Anyways, there is uh, more to this passage with Abraham. Most of the, the, the story is hospitality, making food for the strangers, yogurt, roasted meat. I just want to remind you, uh, God, apparently the angel of the Lord here is eating dairy products and red meat. And I don't know, maybe some of you needed to hear that. 
It's nice to be in the studio while I say that. Anyway, so, <laughs> you know, hospitality, uh, it's a big deal in the Bible. Uh, it's a big deal, and, and it's even a criteria for, for elders, the kind of people that you would be promoting into eldership. They're, they're, they're one of those criteria in the New Testament is they're hospitable. Um, I know some of you are great at hosp- hospitality, but you know, maybe maybe for for some of us, it's a, it's a good it's a good challenge, a, a lean in moment there. Anyways, after the hospitality bit, what happens? Well, let's let's keep reading here in Genesis chapter eighteen. So picking up in verse nine here, um, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent. Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How can a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. One of them said, it doesn't even say if it was the Lord or an angel, because it doesn't even matter. One of them said, about this time next year, Sarah is going to have a son. And Sarah's response, she laughed. She laughed. Why did she laugh? Well, because it's impossible. Humanly speaking, she is decades too old. She's 90. She's 90 years old. She is decades too old, physically speaking, to have kids. And also, for her, the message is too good to to be true. You know, she's like, wow, could I have this pleasure after this? The, the, The message is too good to be true. Plus, all the decades and pain of disappointment that she's gone through, which we saw some darkness with that when we were looking at the Hagar story a while ago, just the, the pain and the, and the darkness there. I mean, do you know what that's, that's like? To feel like God has a word for you. To feel like God has something special for you. He's got something for you and, and, and your future, but it seems impossible. It seems too good to be true. You don't want to believe it and you don't want to like hold on to it because you, you want that and it, it sounds so great. And, and, and yet, oh, you just, you're just afraid to, to let your heart grab onto a word from God like that because it just seems so unlikely. It seems so impossible. Friends, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Now, I know that you hear this and you're like, yes, uh, amen, preach it, Ingraham. You know, there's like, go, but friends, nothing, 
nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Sarah is physically decades long past being able to have a kid. She laughs at the absurdity of it. The, the thought physically, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's just impossible. But friends, the, the point is nothing is. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard for, for God. We, we look at our lives and we look at our, our situations and we do not take this truth seriously enough. We don't grab onto this truth tightly enough. We think, okay, man, God, is, it, is it likely? We think, is it likely, is it reasonable to expect and hope for? Is it within the realm of, of possibility here? And we can really struggle with things like, you know, I, I don't, it just seems unlikely. It, I really can't see this, this thing happening. Like, like God's word, God's promise to me. I just, I just don't know if I can see this happen. I, you know, I, I even wonder like how many people don't even try and run after God's plans and purposes for their lives because of doubt. Because like they would doubt that God would help them in the process. Like they, they might think about the days ahead as if there's, it's just going to be up to chance or what they can do or, or, or what, what they can accomplish. And they just fail to understand the simple truth when it comes to God and when it comes to God's word and when it comes to God's promises that nothing is too hard for God and God's going to keep his words and God's going to keep his promises and God is going to be with you. If God says it, no matter how unlikely it is or how wonderful it is or how unnatural or, or how naturally speaking impossible it is, I challenge you not to laugh when God speaks to you. I challenge you not to laugh to not, to not uh, doubt in your heart when God says something that just seems so unlikely to you, but remember the God that you believe in. The God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This God who has plans for your existence. He has purposes for your life, for, for you, plans that you're going to need to trust Him on that are going to require you to step out in faith beyond what is reasonable. You're going to need to believe and act in faith, trusting God that nothing is too hard for him and that he will do what he says he will do if you pursue and step out in faith. I testify to you, man. I, when, I, when I hear some of the things that God's putting on my heart, I, I feel intimidated. I feel I'm like, oh my goodness, what? How is that going to happen? How, how am I going to, how, what? Like, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. When, when sometimes you, you hear some stuff from God, like, man, how am I going to get there? How, how is this going to happen? But friends, we all need to hear that nothing, nothing is too hard for God. And so I can't let my faith crumble now. After all this time, I can't let my faith crumble now. I need to keep anchored in that. Nothing is, is, is impossible with God. I can't, you can't let your faith crumble now. 
Now, some of you are like, man, Brian, I don't even know what God's plans are for my life. I don't even know what, what his purposes are for me. How do I hear that? How, how do I get to know what God's purposes for? Well, how did it start with Abraham in this story? Was Abraham in some sort of amazing spiritual moment? No. He saw three strangers and he treated them like they were angels of God. They happened to be. It just started with showing hospitality to strangers. That's how this, this came about. And, and then God revealed his message to him. I mean, sometimes we get it in our heads that, you know, if we need to hear from God, we need to go to a season of, of prayer and fasting. You know, obviously I'm a, a big fan of that and, and I, I know the, the fruit of that. But very often... It's God meets us and he communicates his plans and purposes when we are, when we're getting the little things right, when we're, when we're faithful with little, when we're doing the basics right. Faithful with little, faithful with much. And there, Abraham, faithful with little, there's three strangers, I'm going to show them hospitality. And then he gets to hear from God. When, when it comes to the basics for our lives, you know, like, uh, how's the Jesus times? Are you spending time with Jesus? Jesus wants to meet you in the mornings. He wants to meet you when you have when you when you make time for for him. He wants to meet you in prayer and in your Bible times. You skip that, and you're like, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Well, don't skip your Jesus time. Church. Don't skip the church time. There is there is nothing like church. The Spirit shows up in a way. He ministers amongst us in the room during all the worship together, the, the teaching time. The, 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 the enemy lied to the previous generations. The, the, the enemy has been lying and saying that church isn't important. You just need the content. No, it's not about the content. It's about being together with God's people. And, and being, here, being at church is important. It's amazing how few people value being. It's only once a week. Church is only once a week. And yet how often people skip, skip church rather commonly. Man, friends, you're like, I don't know what God's wanting me to do. Well, just get the basics right. I come to church. <laughs> I show up. Uh, also, like treating people, uh, like the hospitality thing. Like I just treat people as if they're Jesus himself. I'm just going to treat the people in my life right. And, you know, like if I get the basics right, it's those kind of special moments where God might reveal his amazing plans and purposes for your life. I, I guess the fourth thing I, I do want to say is some of you are, are not hearing from God because you're not getting the basics right. And specifically when it comes to sins that you know about and that you're holding on to. And you're like, no, I won't let go of these sins. Why doesn't God tell me what, what, what his plans and purposes are for my existence? Like you're, you're, you're not on his page right now. You, you, you're not saying no. To, you're not letting go of a sin. You're not repenting. And, you rep and, and repenting means not only like admitting that you're sinning, but like committing to not doing that anymore. That repenting process, it's the basics. That's basic 101, following Jesus stuff. And when you repent and you get back to following Jesus, it's those kind of, Jesus is looking for the people who are on the path, who are getting the basics right. And maybe that's, maybe that's your, your starting point here. Friends, I invite you, 
I invite you to live a radical life of obedience to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the, the Savior of the world. And, and that starts, that radical life starts with today. The basics. Getting, getting the basics right. And that leads to God revealing more and more about, about your future and what he wants you to do. And he's got great things for you if you will follow him. And things that if you were listening right now, you might be like, wow, that just seems so unlikely. But again, friends, when the time comes that you hear it, remember these words. Nothing is too hard for God. Don't laugh. Go for it. Don't let your faith crumble. Go for it. Nothing is too hard for God. I've got a simple challenge for us today. It, it's, it seems very small in, in comparison, but it's a stranger challenge. It's a stranger challenge. The, the stranger challenge is this, and I've done this uh, several times in my life. It's, it's pretty fun. Get f either five pounds or 10 pounds worth of one pound coins. It's just depending on, your, on where you're at. Five pounds or 10 pounds and one pound coins. And every time you see someone with, with like a cup or something, the big issue or, or, or whatever, somebody who looks like they need money, give them one. Give them one. And just practice just, just a, a little bit of, of generosity towards absolute strangers. Now, you're like, oh, Brian, I could be supporting someone's drug habit. Yeah, that's not on you. That, that's not on you. That, that's fine. I want to practice shifting my mindset from jaded to Jesus. From jaded to Jesus. Sure. I might be supporting their drug habit. Oh, well. Uh, it, I, I, I want to treat people uh, as if maybe this is Jesus himself. So, yeah, shifting from jaded to Jesus. Shifting to, like, Abraham. And how he's dealing with strangers. It's just a little stranger challenge for this week. Friends, let me, let me pray for you. Let me pray for us. Maybe, you, maybe you'll be praying along this prayer with me. Some repentance. You know, God, I, I, I am sorry for not engaging with the strangers in my life for not for not treating people as if they, they might be you for, for basically ignoring uh, the, the the people that I don't know uh, give me a heart grant me a new heart and new eyes to to treat the strangers more like Jesus lead me to strangers that are on your heart that you want me to minister to or encourage or be generous to you. Also, God, I, I, I believe what you've spoken to me. I believe what you've spoken, even if it takes a hundred years to get from here to there. I, I, I believe that, that you will accomplish your, your purposes. Yeah, forgive me for my unbelief at times. Forgive me for my doubt at times. Now, some of you, maybe you, you need to um, have a Jesus moment right now where you either dedicate your life to Jesus, you know, you've not dedicated life to Jesus, or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. And, I, and I, I suggest praying something like this. God, 
here I am. I now dedicate the entirety of my life to you, or I rededicate the entirety of my life to you, to following Jesus, to following Jesus, to, to, to loving Jesus, to following Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to lead me in the everlasting way, the right way. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.